welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the knock on podcast i'm gonna call the new leaf how's that sound (laughs) i'm so excited about this i literally don't know i don't even know how to start this podcast i'm so excited because right now i'm literally sitting in bozeman montana so there might be people right now listening that are saying, dear God, please tell me it's true. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, I'm so excited because today is literally a long time coming and I'm joined by none other than Jonathan Hart from Sitka. What's up, dude? Just, is this just kicking to, it. Is yeah. this hard to believe? Yeah, it is pretty hard to believe. It's it's I'd say it's a pretty momentous occasion. Yeah, this is awesome. So you know, I was dri- I was well, I was driving to the airport thinking, then I was flying to Denver, which we met up in Denver, and I was thinking And I was sitting there, I was just thinking about when I was at Matthews for a long, long time, how appreciative I was of the opportunities that I had there and the experiences I had there. But likewise, it's like the one thing I didn't say in a a previous podcast when I was kind of using this analogy is once I went to Hoyt, I really felt like I was home because I honestly, I shot with all those engineers. They were at tournaments. I shot with them. I roomed with them. And we were always on this just real professional relationship of I'm on this team. You're on that team. But it didn't matter because we just really appreciated each other respectfully and we recognized that what was most important was the common ground of what was most important to us and that was the bow hunting community and once i went there it was just like i don't know i just felt like i was part of a a new friendship and actually I'll tell this story. You were talking to me on the plane right here about your boy. Um, I forgot what what you were telling me, but you were talking to me about how he was telling you utilized him because he doesn't have a filter. He's like always <laughs> so honest, right? Yeah, right. What was the story about that? Well, he uh, from the inception of Sitka, you know, I've used him for as a feedback loop for brand for message for artwork for reading magazines for looking at movies looking at content i mean he sees it with a lens that's totally pure yep he's not burdened with 
uh, you know, a a lifetime of uh, of I guess you know good and bad impressions, and it's still it's just it's pure. I mean, it you know, it, like for example, it's like you watch a kid climbing a rock. Yep. They have perfect form. They haven't begun to take on you know either you know, the, the pains of X, Y, and Z or the influences of this and that, yep. they're totally pure. And that's so. Uh, I say that all the time with yeah. women and kids are the best archery instruct, you know, students yeah. because they take instruction so well because yeah. the slate's cleaned and they just accept. And then they literally immediately apply. Right. One story I don't think I've ever told is I'll never forget this. This was back in the early 2000s. Myself, Matt McPherson, and Joel Maxfield were in Matt's test lab one night. This was really late at night, maybe even early hours in the morning. And Joel had his boy, Andy. And Andy came into Matt's test area, and at the time, it was probably about the size of this building we're in right now. And uh, Andy came running in, and he literally goes, oh, that bow's so cool. And he goes running over to it, and it was Chance Boboff's Hoyt. (laughs) Matt had actually bought this bow that Chance won Vegas with because he's like, I want to know what won Vegas. He really wanted to know, and I forgot. I don't know how we got it, but somehow we got it. And this might have been after Chance had left Hoyt, but either way, there was a a Hoyt in there with a cam and a half system, and it had like, I think it had flames on it, if I'm remembering right. But anyway, it it was a cam and a half, Two with split limbs, so there was two limbs, and there was this tech riser. And flames. And flames. <laughs> and this kid who knew, like, he had no bias. Yeah. He, he was just like, that is awesome. And I remember us all sitting there like, crap. Because there were hundreds of bows in there, hundreds. In fact, in that time, there might have been – a lot of Matt's collection bows could have been in there. So he just immediately pointed this out. And then I could see it right away. Matt's instinct was like, okay, so now, you know. Yeah, of course. Now I, now yeah. I know where I got to go. Yeah, I know he, what cool is. Yep. Now I know, according to this kid who has an outside perspective on this whole thing, yeah. now I know what cool is. Well, I'm that kid. <laughs> Does that sound fair? It's it's absolutely fair. I'm totally jealous. B- well, <laughs> he, he, well, you shouldn't be because you're on the receiving end. You're you're the you're the Hoyt in the in the building. Um, but I actually didn't truly appreciate. Like I knew I had some great friends that really had a belief in high end equipment that were sick of people. And I appreciated it from the point of view that I knew how thorough they were and I knew that they dotted all their I's, crossed all their T's, and that was their equipment of choice. 
But once I made the connection with Barclow mm. through my buddy Andy, yeah, then I realized, holy crap! I'm I don't even know what I'm missing out on now. Now I realize there's this machine that's happening and it's better than what I've dealt with. And so it was just lurking and lurking and lurking and building. And it was just one of those things where it's like, I want to be loyal. I don't want to ask questions. I want to be, I want to be a good representative. I want to be content with what I have. And I was, but then all of a sudden this window of opportunity popped open to where in BC, I just, since I was there with Barklow and because Barklow was there with myself, Trevor, and Andy was supposed to be there, now I'm in an environment where I have the ability to just ask questions like, why does Sika do this? Why does Sika do that? And then all of a sudden I realized, okay, these guys are doing for clothing what I wanted to do for instruction for archery and then it's like it just it I had to I mean I don't know how to explain it it's like if you geek out on knowing that something's better or that there's more focus or more direction in a certain avenue even if what you had before was good when you know that there's this like little seed right that's growing and yeah completely i mean i when you i i think you know a lot of that that connection and you know natural gra- natural natural gravitation comes from you know aligned personalities and sort of lives that are lived ones that are really you know chasing better flipping over every stone trying to figure out how can we make it better and it's not always simply the that pursuit for our you know for our own self but for something that bigger than just ourselves and i think you know when you when you reflect back on you know how we end up in a in in a conversation and a relationship where our interests not only as individuals but as as business people as brands as supporters of brands as circles of partnerships that alignment and looking for something bigger for the benefit of more it's almost impossible for these types of relationships not to happen that's how i look at them and and just being comfortable knowing that eventually um you know those those streams will cross uh it just it happens like it just happens and um i think this is one of those inevitable ones yeah well i think it's going to be amazing and i think that for a lot of reasons one of the reasons and i really want to get into the core of sika because i want I really, really, really want the people that have literally made knock on what it is. I want them to understand what I see. 
but I can tell you that I'm very due diligent in my moves and methodical. You guys are arguably more methodical, but methodical nonetheless. But one of the things that I'm we're kind of missing out on right now with this podcast that could potentially be a very, very good podcast down the road would be when I came to Sitka to say, okay, I would like to, I want to, I want to hear this. I want to see it. I want to hear it. I want to, exp- I want to know what sick is. And I told you, I just came to listen. Like some people are saying, well, you know, we were surprised you didn't give more feedback and, you know, in the meeting or whatever. And I'm just like, listen, I don't know anything about you guys. I'm just here. Like yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a, a sponge mode. I want to consume. I want to listen. I want to absorb. But one of the things that I think is really, really important to the nucleus and and the lifeblood of Sitka is that deck or that PowerPoint that Brad showed me. Because when I came here, just for all of you listening, I sat in this series of meetings to where each department pretty much laid out their vision of Sitka for the next several years. Not just here's, Hey, here's what we're doing for 2019. No, here, this is what our belief and what our core is. And this is where we're trying to go. Mm. Whether or not the hunting community is ready for that or not, this is what the core and foundation of us and our team is and once I saw that I was just like these guys freaking get it they're on the same wavelength as Traeger they're on the same wavelength as these people like even like Killcliff that are like wait a minute there is a lot of people who 90% of their day aren't hunting they're hunters like I consider myself a hunter but for 90% of my day I'm doing things that make me a better hunter that aren't a hunting activity and it's like how do you bridge that and how do you make the best thing possible for that particular activity and then once I saw that you guys see that in the direction that you eventually will go. And not only that, but the support system that you now have behind you with Gore, it's like, wait a minute. Okay. This is a whole new universe. This is now people that have vision, but they also have an entire support team behind them and a support core behind them that offers no boundaries yeah it's super exciting what the you know what we see from you know the long-term opportunity in in elevating the conversation Uh, because it's at the end of the day it is about what can we do from an impact perspective like what can we do that is that is much bigger than simply having a transactional relationship. Um, we make a jacket, you buy it, great, thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
such a small piece of the big puzzle. When we look at the the big picture, when we look at how do we, um, you know, how do we you know, create forms for conversations that revolve around, um, you know, the bigger picture about environmental issues, about growing us as people, like how do we take that core DNA that we um, that that we self-identify as being a hunter, and leverage that to do to do more to mm-hmm. think about um, you know uh, issues or opportunities that um, not only can positively impact our industry but even outside of our industry, we talk a lot about what's endemic or non-endemic. And as soon as we begin to think significantly bigger and uh, think significantly bigger, the conversations become really exciting, really inspiring in terms of what we can do, like what our why is. Mm. And that why only becomes a reality when we, when we look back at what makes us who we are what is our dna and that heritage comes from us you know comes from the celebration of being hunters being raised at hun- as hunters you know we uh you know a lot of times we we you know in our kind of brainstorming sessions around what sort of what are some of the the guiding principles that we always come back to in terms of doing the best we can um but but you know, bigger themes like, you know, being reverent, for example, like, what does that mean? Or living a conscientious life, like, what does that mean? And how does that apply not only to the products that we make today and how we serve our consumers today, but even more importantly, how do we serve the consumers in the future? Like, how do we take this, you know, um, this belief system of ours that we celebrate as hunters and begin to expand that to recruit more hunters, mm-hmm. which isn't based on, hey, we need more people to go out and shoot deer. It's much deeper than that because, yeah. you know, we self-identify, you know, when we self-identify as a as a hunter, you know, through the lens of responsibility and conscientiousness and thinking you know, from a heritage standpoint and generationally, all of a sudden you really open up, you know, the horizons to doing things that are significantly more impactful, not just to, you know, our kids and our grandkids and our friends and our families in those circles, but we begin to get to a place where we believe we can start to impact culture. And that doesn't happen from government. It sometimes happens from individuals but it most it most often it happens from the collection of of you know for better or for worse from businesses that begin to look and understand and appreciate the power of influence they have and when they use it for good it sky's the limit on what you can do and i think what's so amazing in aligning with self-minded you know, individuals and partners and brands that have this shared belief system, like there's no stopping the positive impact that we can have. And at the end of the day, like that's pretty cool if you think of it in terms of legacy, when you think of it in terms of, wow, I left, you know, I left this place a better place. 
Oh yeah. Than when I first got here. And that's really, really inspiring. Like that's worth fighting for. Yep. I think. It may sound cliche, but when you say like I left a legacy, I actually think of my grandpa because my grandpa came from, you know, he lived, lived through the depression, had a bunch of brothers. Um, most of them, I think all of them served in a form of military. Uh, he fought in the, um, Korean war, came back, uh, got an education, became a forester, Mm -hmm. worked for IP, worked for international paper. And literally I remember as a 10 or 11 year old going on a day's work with him where he every morning got up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., whatever it was, put 12 different kinds of cereals in a bowl, ate a bowl, read the paper, had a pack lunch, literally left at the exact same time, got to his timber, opened a leather book that he had between his two fingers, cruised timber until 10 a.m., sat on a log from 10 to 10.14, took a break, walked again from 10.15 to 11.59, sat down, ate a sack lunch, packed the sack lunch up, put the same sack that he used the day before in his pocket and kept walking timber that had literally had been planted but never even, some of it never walked. And this guy lived a legacy as an outdoorsman. Mm -hmm. And he is the one who introduced me to hunting and I sat in his lap the very first time I experienced hunting which was a turkey hunt and he was one of the first to um, to implement wild turkeys into certain aspects of these timber patches that IP put out there but those same experiences like I told you the other day when I did the Traeger commercial they were asking me what kind of title do you want next to your name do you want it to say knock on archery do you want it to say knock on tv do you want it to say professional hunter do you want it to say professional archer do you want it to say you know u.s archery team member like what do you want it to say and i said i want it to say outdoorsman yeah because that's what i am i'm an outdoors person and so is the person that was flying into bozeman that had a bunch of fly fishing rods. Yeah, so, totally. Yep. So, so was the person that flew into San Diego with a bunch of surfboards. Right. So was the person that that I was with in San Diego that was skydiving last week. All those people want to do is enjoy everything the outdoors has to offer. For a big portion of that, I enjoy hunting, and I became a target archer so that I could become an ethical and efficient hunter. I was a hunter first and realized that if I'm going to really be ethical and efficient at this, I need to be better at it. So I tackled the competitive world in the hopes to be a better bow hunter. And the stuff that I saw from your team brought me back to those core roots And honestly, even though I'm very appreciative of where I was, I realized that, you know, it's no different than when you have friendships. There's people that I'm friends with and they're, they're great friends, but there's also friends that I talk to every day 
and if they call me, I will, it doesn't, if they call me, I know it's for a purpose and I'm going to drop everything and I'm going to talk to them. It's like that. It's like, I appreciate that other friendship too, but in the same sense, you and I talked on the plane right here. We talked about, there's certain friends that you just have more relation to. There's more things in common. And the more things that are in common, the more you align. Yeah. And that, and I, I told people, I'm like, when I met Andy, so many aspects of our personality aligned. When I met Joe, I mean, I'm, for, I'm fortunate to meet Joe and I don't want to name drop by saying that, but so many aspects of our personalities and our work ethic aligned to where even if I have a ton of irons in the fire, he freaking gets that. Like that's his personality. And he's like, I understand that. But in the same sense, there's things that we're into where we're like super into them. Hunting and family are two of those things. Food's another one of those things. But yeah, there's certain things that like the martial arts side, I can't relate to them. Do I enjoy it from an outside perspective? Yes. Can I totally relate to his level of that? No. But there's the more pieces of that puzzle that align, the more you have a relationship with someone that truly becomes a good friend. And when I came here and and Brad, you know, put together that first deck and kind of said, you know, we we went back as a company and really wanted to identify what is Sika, and we did this because obviously there was a big move with Sika when Gore acquired him. And he's like, this, this is our nucleus. This is our why. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, I just felt this obligation of with what I'm trying to do, this is foolish to not be part of this. Like this, we're on the same exact path. Right. We're just paralleling each other right now. This needs to be a unity. Yeah. With, you know, it's interesting with, with growth and with scale the the importance of becoming really really thoughtful in in how you capture and articulate what you stand for becomes more important than it ever was before when we were a smaller team and by default you're all on the same page mm-hmm. you're just stuck in a room you know every day just getting after it super stoked as I'm at that now with knock on for Sh- sure. Absolutely. Sharon, Sharon and I struggle to grow because we only want to grow with we're like, we're needing to grow because we only have a few positions. We're so selective on making sure those people yeah. that are part of those positions totally know our nucleus. But the bigger you get, that identity starts, it's almost impossible to maintain, isn't it? it? it it's, well, it is, I think what it necessitates is taking the time to stop and really reflect on what what is the core? Like, why are we doing this? What is it that inspires us to to continue to you know reach and drive towards something bigger and, and that exercise it's you know a lot of people 
you know, they honestly don't take the time to look in the mirror and ask themselves the hard questions. Like, what makes me tick? What really makes me tick? And, and sometimes you need facilitation. Sometimes you need somebody to just either slap you across the face and go, dude, this is really who you are, or mm. it isn't. Or going through a more, I think, constructive exercise, which we did as a team, to really say, okay, let's write down what we talk about every day so that every person we bring on is the right person. So that fit is the right person. And what was amazing was going, at the end of the, like going through this process, and we took a full year and a half of really challenging ourselves around every word and how important it is. And, and at the end, you look at it and you go, well, duh, yeah, of course that's it. It's always been that. Yeah. But unless you take the time to really write it down, you, you're, you can be quick to gloss over things that you just assume others, you know, that they get it, so to speak. And so some of the big, big, you know, themes that came out of us wanting to, to, to sharpen our message, to get better in uh, communicating what we were about and what our beliefs were. You know, we really like came to realize that, you know, uh, we inherently believe that as, as humans, as people, like we are part of the ecosystem. We're in it. Like, and we have, and we, and we take that, probably have, we take that responsibility. Period. Don't we? I mean, uh, by far, like we yeah. take that responsibility with, mm. with a lot of weight. And we also realize that the, like that this respect comes from a, a, an inherent understanding that time in the outdoors is really an opportunity where for you to reflect and reconnect with yourself and who you are. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty amazing, I think, realization for a lot of people who, you know, easily make the statement like, Oh yeah, I go out, I go out hunting and you know, it's, it's quote unquote, not about the harvest. It's yeah. not about the gripping grin. And, and unless you push and challenge the question, you know, most people just believe it's right. Like th I just feel better about it. And so mm. when you really take a deeper dive and you go, okay, well, why, what do you get out of that? And what you come to realize you're reconnecting with who you are mm -hmm. because you finally come to a place where you realize you're integrated into the, the just the threads of the planet and the ecosystem and just all of it. So whether you, or not you're you out, like you've jumped into a stream. 100%. You know, if you, if if you're sitting on the top of this little ledge and there's a flowing stream underneath you, which is essentially our ecosystem and you jump in. Yes. Like fully immersed. You are following that stream right downstream. Yes. And you're in it. And that and and you're there. And so that group, that person who, who, whether or not they inherently realize that or they don't, they also, f by default, have all these other, you know, you know, belief systems that go with it that ultimately make up who they are. And that's a pretty amazing group of people. 
and their activity, the spectrum of their activities is what's amazing. When you think about like the richness of your peer group, yes, one of our activities is hunters, is hunting. And we identify as hunters because it defines a, a lot of like the vast majority of who we are yeah. going through that activity of, of, you know, ultimately taking the life of something. But then you kind of step back and you look at the, act, the spectrum of activity and you're like, oh, that's cool that you do this, 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 you apply all of those kind of parts of who you are to all these aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, the majority of those activities are ones that take you to take you into the outdoors. Yep. And that's amazing. And if, you know, the more we can, the more we can, um, I believe, pull, unify, activate that broad group of people I think it's pretty amazing what the opportunities are that surround us because it is the full, you know, it is the circle of life and how we participate in it and how we respect it. And, you know, it's not like getting super cheesy about it either by any stretch. It's just a part of the life that we choose to live. And I think the amazing opportunity when I referenced before the opera, like how you can influence culture is the more you get other people to realize wow, that's, that's an amazing life. Yep. I'd like to try that. Dude, then we're winning. We're in a really, really unique window right now. The biggest window I've ever seen, and I've, I've been bow hunting, let's see, I'm 42, I think. So I've been bow hunting, I mean, I've been bow hunting 32 years. And... I've been, well, 1998, I got in this industry. So 20 years mm. right now. Um, yeah, I mean, 20 and a half years I've been in, in the industry. And granted, when I started that, and I say I'm in the industry, that wasn't when I was in an archery shop prior to that. That means I was literally working at what was soon to be the biggest bow company in the world at that time. And I just think that during those times, we never had the amount of outside interest looking in. I feel like for the first time, you know, right now we're in this, we're in a building and there's 10 windows around. If this was the hunting world, I would feel like right now there there's people's heads looking in every window like what what's <laughs> going in that's like a new store at the mall you know I've heard about that I've heard about that and I'm looking in the amount of people that actually haven't even though it's in some forms taboo the amount of people that are at least like well I at least want to look yeah it's a very very awesome opportunity right now but a lot of those people are only going to look one time. So what we do as a community is going to dictate whether or not they come in the door or whether they just watch for a while or whether they leave and tell everyone that's walking up to the door, that was what a bunch of crap. That was a bunch I, of crap. Yeah, right? I, I completely agree with you. And it's, and the taking the time to be thoughtful as, as a community 
and uh, as a as a group that is is proud of being in not just from an industry perspective, but identifying as as hunters, being extremely thoughtful about what is that message that I can use that potentially you know, recruits somebody. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones you know we talk about a lot, which comes out of these you know macro trends in it, around at least the United States, but I think globally as well is is food. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing gateway it for people to realize it, that you know if what you don't do it, you're dead. The circle of life, you know, <laughs> like we can, you know, like Akuna Matata, you know, blah blah blah. If it makes for an extremely compelling gateway mm-hmm. where people can begin to look beyond the the harvest as the taking of life when they begin to use a different lens and realize wow that's a that's a pretty different way to look at it i think you know historically we've you know we we our rally cry is hey you know what we are the true conservationists absolutely we give more money and we give a shit more than anybody we take care of the open spaces and you know, the list goes on and on. But that argument isn't necessarily one that recruits more people. It doesn't yep. get the outdoor industry to give more money. I don't haven't seen them recently self-impose a tax to save our wild places and open spaces. So that's a great message, and mm-hmm. it's great that we do that. But it's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I believe that you know, there is an opportunity as we begin to tell a different story, one that is that looks at the bigger picture and at the core of that big picture is what we put in our body. Yep. There is a huge trend in terms of, you know, reading the label on the back of a box. Not that I'm saying, hey, you should eat processed food. Personally, yeah. try not <laughs> to eat any. Yeah, definitely not <laughs> saying that. But <laughs> when you look at audiences... You know, the the person who's already, you know, who's already very mindful of what they put in their body, a little bit easier. Yep. But when we think about going beyond those steps, like, how do we make it amazing? How do we make somebody, you know, we've all had people over for dinner and you serve up, you know, backstraps from whatever you harvested on your most recent hunt. They're like, oh my God, I would eat this every night. And you can. Yeah. All you need to do is become a hunter. Well, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. Well, let me help you get there. Yep. Because they realize, wow, it does matter what I put in my body. And the more we begin to stress, not just that, but it begins to create, I think, a different conversation. And so those platforms in terms of, of conversation and community is where we're where we have the opportunity to open doors to, to, you know, and, and all of that, you know, it's, it's like, it's all through education. It's mm-hmm. all through inspiration. It's all through having really meaningful conversations instead of, you know, blood and guts, gripping grins. Like, yeah, that is, I mean, there's no question. There is machismo in, in who mm-hmm. we are as humans, but at the core of it, you know, collectively, if we can get 
a you know an industry to begin to speak differently to start acting differently behaving just a little bit differently i think what we do long term can be absolutely incredible and so i think we're at a place too where you know individuals like ourselves will begin to gravitate towards each other more and more and more until we become a you know a true a true force um where change just happens and that's cool yeah it's easy for hunters to be like all right bro getting a little deep on me man but (laughs) (laughs) you know what the the reality is and we are as a community we argue this a lot we argue the fact that the hunters are the conservationists right so the thing is like this this person that you're talking about where you feed them and they're like yeah i would man i could eat that every day but i couldn't shoot it well then it gets to the point where it's like okay let's maybe we talk them into shooting it and yeah it's a little bit weird where you're like okay so what i can't take a picture on my tailgate anymore you know this is offensive to this guy but wait a minute let's look at the bigger picture let's just say these guys that maybe won't hunt because that's their first impression. Let's just say you don't do that. Okay. Let's just say that you segue them in to where now they become a hunter. Just like all, just like I did on my grandpa's lap Mm -hmm. on my first turkey hunt. The reality is the people that jump into this arena, they will become the person that wants to protect it the most. Yes. And it's another asset. So, you know, you can't just be like, whatever, dude. I'm not freaking snowflaking because this guy can't see the tongue hanging out. No, no, no. This guy could be the guy that literally fights for our ability to continue to shoot wolves in Idaho. Right. Right? This could be the guy. Right. This could be the guy who's never done it. You all of a sudden get him hooked on elk and then this guy all of a sudden knows a guy that th- and that guy is saying we're we're going to we're locking up people aren't shooting wolves it's a freaking that's life we're not going to shoot wolves no way we're not shooting grizzlies now this guy can say hey man every time you come to my house and we eat that elk we're not going to be an elk because and I've lived this I hunted just south of Salmon, Idaho in like 2006, and it was great. And I went there two years later, and it was dog shit. And you know why? Because there was wolves, and no one could shoot them. And now it's got to the point where you can. But guess what? It's it's a revolver. Eventually, it's going to come around to where someone's going to be like, I don't think we should shoot the wolves. And you need that guy. Yeah, but the cool part, yeah, you absolutely need that guy. And the the cool part about how that all plays out is you just elevated a con- a conversation from the 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 myopic view of conservation being tie this land up, protect it, you know, it is what it is to one that suddenly becomes more ecosystem thinking. Mm-hmm. And that opens the door to an entire different audience of people who can who can respect 
the bigger picture. So you can have people who are in full support because they realize, wow, I need to be, I need to start thinking about things from the point of view of cradle to grave. I need to start thinking about things in terms of, of management more than anything, not locking things up and making them untouchable and something that we only look at, like driving through, you know, a national park, but actually participating and being part of that entire continuum. You, you open the doors to people who, and I totally respect those individuals who absolutely um, are uncomfortable with taking the life, yet they support it yep. completely. Yep. And I would rather have 10,000 people support me too. than saying, dude, it's not for me. But mm-hmm. I am for ecosystem thinking. I yeah. am. I have family that's that way. I mean, everyone, I, I do too. everyone listening needs to realize, you know, Sharon's from England, and yeah, when she first came over, she didn't understand. She didn't understand hunting from a North American point of view, but she didn't have a closed mind to it. And she didn't have a closed mind because she had never been imprinted on a very mm-hmm. negative, this is the line type mentality, right? This is, We're drawing the line right here. Oh, you're not a hunter. We're drawing this line. You're over there. We're over here. Like she, she never experienced that. Thank God. Yeah. Because she came into it like, okay, well, why do you hunt? And then once she moved here, she started realizing like, oh, we can't grow anything in the garden. Well, the deer eat it every, every day because there's so many deer. And then all of a sudden it's like such and such hits a deer with a car. She hits a deer with a car. I hit a deer with a car. My dad hit a deer with his car, came through the windshield, knocked all of his teeth out. Um, she starts to realize, wait a minute. Okay. This is a, this is a valid discussion. And then once she gets into it, now she realizes, okay, yeah, everything we consume, this is what we consume. This, you know, we shoot it, we consume it. I'm, I'm okay with that. But she also realized, you know, as the TV show progressed and as I was hunting more because of the TV show, she started realizing, wait, our, our freezer's filling up faster because he's doing these things. So there's less of a need for me to shoot in addition to that because we're not going to be able to consume at that level. So she tapered down. Right. Because I was tapering up, but she would, I mean, this is someone from England where they do not, I mean, mm-hmm. they've outlawed fox, hunting. you know, I think right. they've outlawed they fox hunting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's all a matter of how, as a community, we relay this information. And honestly, I wanted this podcast to maybe go, a, I didn't necessarily want it to go a different direction. I wanted people to understand why I saw what I saw in Sitka. And maybe this is the maybe this is the nucleus of why I feel the way I did when I decided to make this move. But you guys are just were able to have like you your team and then myself and you have had these conversations that are on a totally different wavelength. And for me, being what I, I mean, I, I guess I would categorize myself as an educator. That's what I want to be. Yeah. I mean, if, absolutely. If I'm gone tomorrow, I want people to say he, 
he did a lot for the for the archery community. Ed- he was passionate about educating yeah. the archery educator, community. influencer, inspiration. I mean, all the things that you know at your core. Like when you look at the life you live, I believe. I mean, I look at I when I reflect on the life you live, and I look at all the people who respect and look up to that. For me, and I think speaking for everybody at Sitka. You know, we scream, dude, we want to multiply that yeah, like a hundred times because, you know, there's only so much all of us can do as individuals or as, you know, brands or as, you know, small team, whatever it is. But the more we work with each other to elevate and magnify some of these messages and, 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 and really more than anything, opportunities everybody wins mm-hmm. everybody wins and i don't think you know i mean the things that are core to us the the principles we live by the principles we you know aspire to operate by i would i'd love for everybody to kind of be running on the same wave, wavelength yeah and to do that i mean we recently you know we uh launched a product in the waterfowl space a waiter and the the point like ultimately what that project represents is to uh, create a product that's not a disposable because that's terrible. Mm -hmm. We're just filling landfills for no reason. So, you know, I celebrate all of the other, you know, players in that industry rallying around that going, it is better. It's better for everybody to do that. And so I think, you know, you've got a big megaphone. We want to see that become a hundred times bigger because of what you stand for. That's a big, big, big deal to us. Yeah, and for my listeners and who I I classify as friends because most of most of the people that listen and follow they also attend they attend seminars, they attend knock to fork things, they attend deer classics. I mean, people that I recognize on my following, I see a lot of them and I I want to know them. And the one thing I can say is you guys have literally stepped up and said, okay, what resources did you have before? And I said, well, you know, here's what they were. And, and you guys, um, hopefully you're okay with me saying this because I'm saying it. You guys were <laughs> just like. Just run with it. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> just go, man. <laughs> you guys pretty much just said, okay, what what that was as a whole, we're going to give you that for the ability to just continue to educate and and do what you're doing to the market. And for me, it was like, okay, wait a minute. So just from a business point of view, now I have the ability to take everything that I was like trying to partition out of. Now I'm able to just be like, okay, so I'm able to I'm able to go out on a hunt. I'm able to educate more. I'm able to show more about the field to fork or what I call the knock to fork. fork. I'm able to show more about the consumption. I'm able, are you telling me I'm able, now I'm able to utilize this and bring in these new people like a Jocko or Josh Bridges into our community to where it's like, I want to introduce these people, but I didn't have the, I didn't have the means to do it. I didn't have the place to go. I didn't have the, the I didn't have the finances to do it and you guys are recognizing where you're going and where knock on is going this is part of our DNA 
Yeah. And we have to, as a community, we have to elevate this. We, we, will, we are doubling down on all of these endeavors. Yeah. Because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And, I think and, and it's amazing, too. You hear these, you know, you hear people reference all the time, well, you do the right thing and it always makes good business sense. Yeah. And it's like, honestly, it is one of those times when, yeah, it absolutely is the right thing to do. And yes. I, yeah, I don't even, it's not like we're betting on the come or anything. It is, you know, it, when the end goal is to create, just be a, a, a force for positive impact, mm-hmm. you can't lose. Right. Like there's no downside to that yep. by choosing to do the right thing for the right reasons. And so, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's really exciting to kind of open up those channels and think bigger and think broader and, and try to drive, you know, even more momentum in, in some things that are organically happening. Yeah. We just need to channel them. I think think bigger is a very, very key term because a big problem that I've seen in the hunting community as a whole, bow hunting is a part of that, but as a hunting community, and even even with my experience of working with, you know, the two biggest archery manufacturers in the world, period, that pie has always been the same size. Mm-hmm. And there's just these, conti- you know, it's like, <laughs> I had um, a, a guy that I just, I love to deal with at Hoyt. His name was Kevin Wilkie. He worked there for a long time. And... One time, him and I got in this wrestling match at the ATA show. I don't know how it started, but I thought we were just jacking around. But then we ended up kind of wrestling on the padding after it was at the ATA was done. We were cl- like closing up the booth, and it was just the padding on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up jacking around, and he's. But did you? Was it the half inch or one inch? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was probably the. I don't even know. It was half inch at best. But we're wrestling around, and he's like half my size. Let's just say. And I thought, man, you're pretty, you're pretty scrappy for your size, you know. And he ended up telling me, he said, dude, he goes, I grew up with a lot of brothers and sisters. He grew up in Utah, Mormon family, and he said, every other Friday when paycheck happened, and my mom brought home boxes of cereal. He goes, it was. A freaking fight <laughs> to like knock down those yeah, cookie yeah. crunches. <laughs> and I sat there thinking, you know, when you're like having to really scrap for that one thing that you believe in, it, it brings out a whole different level of person. I Absolutely. Mean, and I think, yeah. I think that's where we're at. I think we have to, I think we're at a point now where we have to, really double down and and fight for what we believe in or i think yeah i i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more and honestly one step above that is like the equity groups and the conglomerates that are buying into the archery community there's a very very good opportunity that if those people aren't passionate hunters or passionate about hunting that our identity will get lost Yes. Yeah, I agree. 
but I, but I think so I, I agree. Uh, but I wanted to touch on what you were just saying before that there's a, there's a different opportunity that exists now. We, as a, as a group, I'll just refer to it as the old guard yeah. and the old guard in it's a good way to put it. supported conservation and efforts in the outdoors to preserve what we had. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. And it worked for a long time. Yep. But to your point, it didn't grow the pie. Yep. And so I think as you begin to, you know, as as as, as we look at, I think, a you'd different rather, way to do things. You'd rather bring more cereal into the house, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. If and, every and kid had a box of cereal. Yeah, you wouldn't be scrapping with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And I think if we can, <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> So more Captain Crunch yeah. for everybody. Cookie Crisp. Or Cookie Crisp. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that. You didn't? Uh, what was your go-to out of curiosity? There's some solid ones. You know, I was pretty simple. I had Honey Nut Cheerios. Really? Yeah, we didn't. That's fairly. Well, we I gr- mean, it's an, it's w- decent, but it's fairly plain. I, you know, I, I, I really wasn't raised on cereal so much. It was usually like eggs. Scrambled oh, eggs, yeah. fried eggs, sunny side up. I mean, I ate. I'm I ate four s- eggs a day, half an avocado, yeah. and a couple pieces of bacon or whatever left meat I have left over. That's me yeah. every day, yeah. except, yeah. except last week. Last week, Andy Stumpf, my good buddy, brought his son over to our house for his 13th birthday, and I had him build his first bow, and he learned to shoot. Well, Sharon, being the mom that she is, said, you tell me everything that you want, and I'll go get it. Well, one of his thing was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> so when he left, there was three quarters of a box of a, all that. of a Cinnamon Toast <laughs> Crunch. Dude, that could very well be crack. It is. Oh, my God. Yeah. I murked. A three quarters of a box of cinnamon toast crunch in two nights. I w- I mean, I slept the best I've slept for the first hour and a half of my sleep because I was in some type of a sugar sugar cinnamon coma. <laughs> then woke with, up with, with a fluttering with heart. Dairy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I grew up. Uh, we didn't have a lot of cereal. It was. I ate so many eggs. Did you have chickens? Uh, we didn't have chickens, but uh, I mean, I think we were before farmers markets were farmers markets. I think that's where a lot of our food came yeah. from. And I remember when the first time the doctor took my cholesterol level as a kid, he's just like, "This is the lowest I've ever seen." And I was like, considering I was averaging eighteen to twenty-four eggs a week, <laughs> he couldn't. He was just shocked. He just looks at my mom like he should not be eating, and she's. Okay, well, what do you say? And I just had it checked the other day, and he's like, you got a really low cholesterol. Like, seen, I still eat that many eggs. You ever seen grumpier old men? Oh, yeah. What do you eat for breakfast? Bacon. <laughs> bacon. What do you eat for lunch? <laughs> bacon. What do you eat for dinner? Bacon. It's the perfect food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eggs and bacon, I think, yeah. you know, you can eat all that. They can yeah. do studies as much as they want, but I feel pretty damn good if I pound a quarter of a flat of eggs and half an avocado and some bacon or a, like leftover 
tenderloins. And, and I'm even if you really have to, happy. and even if you go down that path of commercialized foods, yeah, you can you can get eggs from chickens that have been raised on a farm that eat bugs, and you mm. can get you know pork from pigs that you know have low carbon footprint. I mean, there it's like those are great smart decisions mm-hmm. when you have to go that way but i prefer you know elk sausage in the morning with my <laughs> kale or super greens <laughs> yeah i remember when i was young my uncle kenny down in mississippi i swear every single morning every morning it was scrambled eggs venison sausage and down in mississippi they make venison sausage different. It's like it's almost like in a kielbasa type thing, mm. and then they cut it in half so it's like yeah, butterflied. Sp- yeah, yeah. It's like that's a thing. It's like two inches long, butterflied every time. <laughs> like that's how it comes on your plate, and you're getting white freaking toast with some like bluebell margarine on there. But that's a Mississippi breakfast, and if you eat it, like you're good for you're, a while. You're good, like you are good for a while. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, we've talked a lot about, I guess, what drew me to you guys. The one thing that we haven't really dove into is, like, what was the nucleus of Sitka? Like when you started it like how did if someone doesn't know Sitka where did it start and and why is it better so it started on uh this started on the side of a mountain chasing elk in Idaho um I'm surprised I thought it would have started like skiing (laughs) Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those influences for sure. Because you and I talked about this. Yeah. I mean, and and that's part of, you know, what, having that background in the climbing, skiing, action sports, Mm -hmm. uh, alpine world really was the foundation for what the product was. But the, but the goal really was to change an industry. Yeah. And product, you know, when we looked at product, that was kind of the low hanging fruit. And bridging that gap between what happened in the the outdoor world where performance was everything and the competition on an annual basis between these you know companies was was legitimate, raising the bar year over year. And all we looked at was like, oh wow, a different version of of uh, you know camo denim, mm-hmm. not amazing from a performance perspective. So that that background is what was. Um, made the product really easy and evident, but from the point of view or perspective of changing an industry, it was really, you know, from inception was about elevating the message. It was about getting people to realize that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't about celebrating the kill, but about celebrating why are you there? You know, we put it in terms of like experience, the performance, um, you know, specialized wear and equipment, but you know, you'll notice we've never shown a grip and grin mm-hmm. because for us it was always about just time outdoors. And inherently in that in that core was an understanding of why we were outdoors. And But there was a long runway to get to a place where we began to really um, 
elevate that message, where we wanted to talk more about that. And so at the core, it was, it was, you know, I've I shared with you, you know, I joked all about, you know, being a full-on tree hugger. Like mm -hmm. I've, I probably, you know, I, I think identify more with a full-on environmentalist than, than most would. Yeah. Yet, hunting and being part of that food chain is how I was raised and it's what it's my belief system at the core of it and yeah. and that has always been embedded in the DNA of who we are as as a brand but so has the the uh you know unwavering dedication to building amazing stuff doing the best we can trying to deliver solutions to problems people didn't know they have bringing you know systems thinking into the industry changing the vocabulary about mm -hmm. how we dress how we wear the things you know like changing literally like uh, one of the funnest ones i think back in the day was trying to undo this this um sequence of decision making for 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 a hunt which would start with a conversation of like man, I just spent five grand on this rifle. It's amazing. I've got, you know, these incredible optics. I can mm -hmm. shoot to a thousand meters and it does all this stuff. Yet, I'm if it rains, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to last an hour in yeah. my soaky cotton I'm denims. I'm going to totally you know, shoot a spike I'm out of my truck. <laughs> done. And so, you know, for us that, you know, it was all about solving problems. Mm -hmm. And I think even when we look at the opportunities to to change, you know, much broader audiences, it is about solving problems. It's about evolving the conversations. It's about continuing to kind of, you know, elevate the conversation. And when we talk about, you know, changing an industry, uh, a part of a big part of that industry change is elevating the conversation in everything. And, you know, I would say um, you know, we're really proud of what we've done so far. And uh, as a, you know, in this journey, we're not even, I feel like we're just starting with what we set out to really do because, you know, I think we, what our view of the industry was when we started, our view has expanded by a hundredfold now. Mm -hmm. And you know, everything's timing. You go into yeah. it early going, hey, we're going to be the hardcore tree hugger environmentalists hunting people. Like, mm, yeah, no. Like, yeah. I don't care what you make, but you're just, that's, so. And I don't even know if that's the right vocabulary for you. No, I don't. That's that's I've, where we come back to ecosystem thinking. Yeah. Because, you know, all of a sudden you go, oh, my gosh, I see just, I see PETA. This is the first thing that comes to mind. And I, I just go, oh. Yeah, think, that's not it. <laughs> I think you're you're a fully aware conservationist. I think that's a better way to classify I, you. I believe we and our core tribe truly represents what the original definition of a sportsman was. Yeah. Yeah, that's And and yeah. the hard part is you think you take the word sport and it quickly gets turned mm. into competition yeah and it's not at all a true sportsman you go back to like you know that's why i like outdoorsman i yeah i think that's a very good term because you're right i mean anytime you, 
when I think of sports right away, I'm like, oh, I'm better than that guy. I'm going to win. Um, freaking, yeah, yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on, sucker. Yeah, I'm all into that. Unless it's like jujitsu with Joe or, or Jocko, and then I'm going to get choked not, not out. Not going to win. Yeah. Get my freaking, <laughs> my, I still have this big lump on the right side of my esophagus. But, but that's, like showing up to, that's like showing up to a gunfight with a knife. Why would you do that? Well, I don't know. I just want to be in the fight. I want to be in the fight. But, yeah, I mean, it sucks that I can get choked out by 80% of the people there. <laughs> Let's just go roll. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think I think you guys, I think you literally, I relate to it like when I did high jump in high school. When they would all of a sudden have this height and then there would be, okay, there's three people left and then they would, They'd say, we're now raising the bar to six foot two. And then all of a sudden people would be like looking around like, oh, shit, there's only two people left here. Like, I think you guys move this bar to where I think there's a lot of people that probably want to get in there and jump at that. But I also think that they're – I don't think they're – that they really have everything in line the way that you guys do. And on top of all that, I think, well, it's, it's actually funny. Um, when I departed from UA, which, you know, I value that. And I told you guys that, and you guys were great. Honestly, Josh was amazing with, he said, listen, what you did with Under Armour was part of your DNA like we don't we understand that's that's part of who you are like don't we don't want we don't want you to delete that that's who you were but in saying that there was there's also like a very very clear line that separates the two you Mm -hmm. know there's a, a very very clear line and I think it's important that people recognize that someone like Gore, when Sika merged with Gore, that brings a ridiculous asset to the table. And the reason I say that is because when I, when I left UA, they asked me if I would give them a photo of the very first time I wore UA, which I started, I thought I had been there 11 years, but in fact, I'd been there 14. Um, so the very first picture I had with UA, it was their cold gear as a base. Kip gave it to me. It was black. But I was wearing suppressor. Mm-hmm. My my outside, because it was quiet and windproof right. and pretty waterproof, it was actually Gore suppressor, Yeah, which was available through whitewater outdoors right yeah so i'm literally we're 14 years <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm coming full circle yeah like i don't even think i told you that back to ptfe yeah, yeah. so the magic stuff literally where yeah. i started i'm i'm coming full circle back to that company <laughs> that originated a technology right that at the time was the quietest. It blocked wind. 
I could go, you know, Gore-Tex is obviously Gore-Tex. And now these companies have given Sika the ability to have access to we have the most insane R&D. Yeah, your R&D from it? what I've seen and what most people haven't seen, but I'm pretty th- I'm pretty sure they will see with with the new Yeah. coming up, right? Yep. In 19 they're going to see it. Yeah. Okay, so 19 you guys are going to see it. And when you see it you're going to be like, "Oh, okay, I know I I know why Dudley's geeking out now." Yeah. Because you guys are literally saying, "Hey dude, we know you're in education." Just so you know, here's some tools we have that we don't talk about. Right. But we've decided to. Right. And we're giving you the ability to to utilize that in your education. And I'm just like, well, it would have irked me to to know about it, but then never be able to do anything about it. So one, yeah, one of the most. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it in, incredible. R&D teams in the world that have driven innovations globally that people have no idea even exist. Yeah. And, you know, talk about like kid in a candy store for product geeks like us. It's, <laughs> it's really yeah. unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the bigger, the bigger challenge is just controlling yourself and saying, okay, where, where do you. Like what can the consumer actually intake? W- yes. And that's what that those are real conversations. Yeah. You can't you know I mean big big leaps generally, you know, because historically I'm that way fail with my in podcasts. Innovation. Yeah. With podcasts, I have people we actually um me and Barclow met people in San Diego that came up and they said, We absolutely love your podcast, but we're having to go back a hundred and eighty nine podcasts ago because you're talking about stuff where we're like, what the hell is he saying? Yeah, what's the reference? Yeah, yeah. What, wait, what is that? Yeah. And so now with all, with the ridiculous freaking team yeah. at Gore, it's like, okay, how much of this can we throw out there before it's confusing to the consumer because they don't have yeah. the rest of the story? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've – we have, for better, for worse, you know, we've always taken the tact of, um, you know, show, don't tell. And we just let this, the product speak for itself. We, there are, you know, numerous times, you know, have, have competitors have thrown out different tests for, well, we're better because of this. And they use a certain test and we know the tests are false. Mm-hmm. We know they're inaccurate tests. They're great for literature, but they don't equate to human comfort, for example. Mm-hmm. And just part of you know our DNA as a organization and as a as a team is we always just take the higher road. Just like yeah. that's fine. We don't care. Competition is great. It's great mm-hmm. for the consumer. Yeah. Elevate the bar. Elevate the bar. Elevate the bar. What's amazing is, you know, we have the ability, which is what people don't realize, to leverage, you know, uh, comfort, human comfort chambers that are used for the military and uh, <laughs> take take things to a degree that most people, frankly, can't digest. Yeah, you they would go, die. Seriously? It'd be like, like being in outer space, So right? what happens? So if I you're mean, court, is that fair to say? 100%. Like From if, what I've seen, it's like, okay, hey, we're going to 
we're going to kick you out of the space shuttle. Right. And what happens? Yep. Oh, you're dead. Right. So, hey, guess what? You the data you have this the, new sicka stuff. You the data living. we said you're at least yeah. living until until Space Lord can can get a hold of you and bring you back in the ship. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. The uh the data that we sit on because we know it makes a better product. We prefer for it to just speak for itself mm-hmm. versus leveraging it as a marketing tool or a gimmick because we'd rather take that interaction to have a conversation that either inspires somebody or educates them yeah instead of getting into this tit for tat and and we've never gone down that path and we still and we laugh shouldn't. all the time no it's a jo- it's a total joke yeah and we just go it's like, a rat hole and and you get a lot of it back from either your peer groups or your friends you're like needling you just like oh hey did you see that brand x just they came out with something like looks exactly like your stuff or your silhouettes or and it's like i mean flatter i personally for don't sure. like people, but we don't even people look people ask me they're like hey did you see so-and-so's live feed dude he just totally regurgitated what you did i'm yeah. like honestly no. i have no idea there was one time there was one time when i actually I did a podcast or I did a live feed and the next, they're like, you watch, this guy is going to do one tomorrow night. Yeah. And I watch and I real I realize, okay, yeah. <laughs> I got it. Like, this is almost sad. Like, it's almost sad that he's so desperate for information that he's going to consume what I say and do a piss poor job of processing it <laughs> 24 hours later. And the, and honestly, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have even called that person out, which at the did I th- time I think I d- more or less did. I had a few friends that said like, "Good for you for calling out so and so." The reason I did wasn't because he did it. The reason I did was because he didn't do a good enough job of duplicating my message. Right. So it was actually poor information. If he at least copied me with good information, I would have been like. Hey, he's got a new following. They've maybe they're half of those guys don't follow me. At least it's good for archery. Right. But when it's like, wait a minute, so and so called me out the other night and he tried to say this, but actually he doesn't know what he's talking about. This is what I was talking about. So um and and I think I think that message from an outside perspective I think I could say that I've seen that from Sika's point of view too. I think I've seen guys that have taken some Sika technology and tried to like explain it or duplicate it. And then they actually do a worse job of relaying the information to where it's almost worse for the consumer. Yes. Unfortunately, you, it happens all the time. You agree to that? All the time. <laughs> And that's too bad. I know. It, well, it's uh it's reality. It's reality. Yeah. Yeah. So true. <laughs> well, what uh is there anything you want to I mean, we're going to do more podcasts. I yeah. think I think it's safe to say you and I jive. Yep. I mean, we had um funny enough, it, this goes back to the original message of this whole podcast. John and I were flying here we actually had our flight attendant came up to us and 
I had this was my first official trip with a Sika shirt, <laughs> yeah. and had someone stop me in Denver. Uh, I was like, "Holy cow, you're John Dudley!" I said, "Hey, bro, what's up?" And he's like, "Oh my God, you got a Sika shirt." Are you going to Sitka? <laughs> I said, yeah. He's like, oh, my God. So I had to tell him, dude, don't post that till Monday. Um, <laughs> so me and you both had Sitka shirts on. We yeah. got on the plane. Our flight attendant goes, Sitka. And we said, yeah. And he, and so then he goes, um, you guys make really, is that really cool, like high-end hunting apparel and stuff? And we said, yeah. And he goes, yeah. He goes, now, are they out of Sitka, Alaska? I said, no, they're out of Bozeman, Montana. And he goes, yeah, I always go to Alaska for salmon fishing. Yeah. And then next thing you know, he said something about cooking it. And then I said, well, if you want to cook salmon, here's how I would recommend doing it. And I said, you know, blah, blah, blah on a Traeger, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I just bought a Traeger. Yeah. <laughs> With the cold smoke. So then fast forward yeah. like 10 minutes later and what do we have? Smoked salmon and sushi salmon. <laughs> he literally brought us a paper plate with yeah. sushi salmon and smoked salmon on Ritz, Ritz crackers. crackers with some cream cheese. And that's what we're eating on yeah, the plane. With, with ginger. Yeah. With, yeah. Where the, fresh ginger. He had fresh ginger. Unbelievable. Dude. And uh, we're sitting there thinking. And did you see the people staring at us? They're like. Yeah. Why is this guy taking a knee in the aisle? <laughs> he and he's out, sitting there with his personal pictures out, of his. Yeah. He gave out freaking nuts to the rest of us. These two a-holes over here getting sushi and freaking smoked salmon on little appetizer Ritz crackers handed yeah, to him. Was, but uh, the basis of that was we had a, a common ground. Like he even yeah. said, I've never right. bow hunted. I've never hunted. I just, I'm a fisherman. But he said, I'm really passionate about getting better at cooking my salmon. Yeah. And that's the segue, people. Yeah. I mean, that's it. And He's, what you do and what you represent as a whole, everywhere, even outside of in work, outside of work, even in a hunting camp, you just never know who are the people that are on the fence. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I think that is our our collective endeavor is mm -hmm. to always be great ambassadors of something bigger. And that's, I think that's pretty, pretty inspiring life to live. I think that's a good way to end it. Cause I think from our aspect, me and Sharon, this was, I'm honest. It was a, it was a very, very hard move because I'm a loyal person. Um, good or bad, I'm loyal. And I just think that overall, this was a very good fit based on the message. I think, I think you guys were a big missing link and really what I'm trying to do for the whole bow hunting and archery community. Well, we're super stoked and look forward to an amazing future. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. And for all of you listening, what you can expect down the road is not a sales pitch about Sitka. What I would say is you can expect an education of why I'm going to be doing what I'm doing and also what we need to do 
as hunters to be prepared for the event that we're heading to. Um, I'm totally new to this. I'm going in green. So I can tell you the next podcast is going to be with John Barklow, who is just an absolute designing machine and someone that I met through Andy Stumpf uh, because of really his attributes and his expertise in teaching some of the most amazing military guys we have in the SEAL teams um, how to survive and yeah, how to stay ex- alive. Yeah, how to <laughs> stay alive in the most extreme elements. He's literally the guy that's that's designing this stuff. So um, he brings an extensive background, and I'm going to approach my introduction to Sitka as if I'm one of all of you listening of I have no idea what I need, but what I do know is I need you to tell me what I need and why I need it. And that's where we're going to go. I want everyone out there to be educated as I'm educated because essentially if you guys know as much or more than me, then I think we all grow together. That's yeah. the direction I want to go. That's, Super cool. That's part of Naka Nation. Thank yeah. you so much, dude. Yeah, man. It was awesome. Stoked. Yeah. We're going to go uh, cook some ribs and shoot some bows. And uh, I'll have uh, Jonathan on another podcast because there's actually a bunch of cool attributes to this fella that we haven't got into. His uh, extreme. <laughs> dude, we need to skydive together. I know. I've only done tandem. I'm oh, ready. You gotta change <laughs> yeah, I that. Know, I know. I'm That's so hooked right now. It's like training wheels. Yeah. If it wasn't September, I think I would cancel everything on my schedule just so I could go skydive. I get it. I totally I'm get it. I'm geeking out right now. I'm just having fun. Just jumping out of planes. <laughs> jumping I out had, of perfectly good planes. I had so much fun. <laughs> I mean, I seriously did. It's. I think it's because I'm so bad at it. Part of the problem is there's a, I don't, I haven't showed you the video yet. I'll show you guys, but there's a video coming from Kill Cliff on my whole introduction to skydiving. It's going to be a short film and the (laughs) worst part, yeah, well, no, it's pretty good. But the worst part is being able to look back and then see, like, it'd be one thing if I said, Hey John, with archery, you know, you're doing pretty good, but you need to get your elbow up and here's what you want to do. And if you went through a seminar and I told you everything you need to do and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we did the class and you were thinking, okay, I did 90% of what John said. And you have this self image of I'm a nine out of 10, but then John decides to bring this video out where everything was documented and you have to be part of editing that to where you then look at the end product and you realize I was a five out of 10 at best. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I'm at. So now I'm like, okay, I got to start jumping out of planes. I need to be at least an eight out of 10 or I'm not going to be able to live with myself. Fair goal. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Uh, Hopefully you're going to enjoy this endeavor. I'm super excited about it. And If you're not, too bad.
I'm going down this road. I'm passionate about it, and this is uh, this is this is the right the right relationship. I mean, everything I want to do is a two-way relationship, and this is a two-way street, man. You guys are you guys see every direction I need to go, and I need to just make sure I'm paralleling you, whether we're going that way or going this way. Um, we need to be going together. I think that's game on. Pretty adamant. Yeah, awesome. All right, everybody, knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.